0: Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is another episode of the Detailed Car Collection. I am Nick Walters, and I'm live from the VR Auto Spa here in Las Vegas. So really busy morning today. I want to share a little bit about what I, what I got into this morning because we coded three vehicles. We coded a Ferrari 488, a Ferrari 812 Superfast, and a BMW M7. Many are going to be surprised that we actually used HyperClean Uno on those vehicles, and there's a couple reasons why. Number one, this customer doesn't do long-term coatings. We tried some five years on his collection before to be honest with you it's not the right fit for him but wait a minute nick there's a ferrari 812 and a ferrari 488 it's not that type of client and this client moves cars shifts cars cars may go to a beach house cars may go to a a different house cars may just up and disappear and be traded or or sold to someone or whatever the case may be but Five year coatings were not a good thing for him for a variety of reasons. So we've we've really been using Uno on his collection for quite some time, and it seems to work great. Uh, we shot some content there. We we uh, took some pictures. You'll you'll see that stuff come out uh, on social media, obviously. But one of the things that I kind of want to talk about is the user friendly nature of HyperClean Uno. It, it's the most underutilized coating in our line many guys love Dose, love Trey, want to operate in that world. I get it. But if you're not using HyperClean Uno, you're really not looking at car ownership for a lot of people. Number one, it gets people to come to you uh, that maybe are just trying to understand coatings. And when you start talking about multi-year coatings, their eyes kind of glaze over. They don't want any part of it. But also, this is great for collection work. Uh, We have several collections we take care of that guys never see that type of time in their collections. So they may keep cars six, eight months. Five-year coating doesn't really do much for them. Here's a guy that we've had some five-year coatings on his stuff. When we look at the, the 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 end user experience, it wasn't great for him. So we've been able to dial in with all of our customers. Some dose fits perfectly. Some fit tray perfectly. And some fit, and I would say the most fit, Uno really, really well, if you really look at collection style work. Uh, You still get the same pop. You still get the same ceramic benefits. You're not really losing very much. Again, there's a reason to have each coating in your lineup, but there's so many people that just wipe away this one-year coating system as it's not for them. They're more elite. Well, we take care of a lot of collections, man, a lot of collections that are worth millions and millions of dollars. I would say we're a pretty elite company. I could be biased on that, but I don't look at coatings the way everyone else looks at them. I look at the coating as technology's changed around coatings, we need to change. If a one-year coating was just basically a wax, I'm not going to agree with that. But the 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 the, the coating technology has turned itself, turned a corner, and now one year is really possible. Two years is possible. Three years is possible. We're trying to make some other things possible in our line. Uh, But I say this all the time, that ceramic technology is changing. You have to change. And if you're not utilizing HyperClean Uno for basic services, wash, decon, get it on a car, again, I understand five-year ceramics We don't wanna put it on. I wouldn't even tell most people to put tray on a non-paint corrected vehicle. But if we take the one-year experience and we say, hey, let's treat this like a robust paint sealant, there's plenty of you that do wash, clay, and seal. So why not have a package of wash, clay, and UNO? Uh, We don't have to decontaminate these vehicles, uh, just an FYI. So we didn't have to clay the vehicles, they weren't contaminated. Uh, we did an, a quick iron decontamination. We found very little of it. At the end of the day, it's not this. This is just a simple application on these vehicles and getting to take the Ferrari 812 super fast out after it was coated, by the way, so I could enjoy it a little bit. It needed a little bit of work. Went ahead and did that and uh, had a great, great morning and just got back to the to the shop here. And so today's topic, aside from that, for me is about paint correction. So earlier this week, I got a call from a really, really great body shop guy here in town. He doesn't do a ton of work. He does really exclusive type work and really keeps his business very small uh, because he wants to do high-end, not necessarily high-end cars all the time, but do high-end work for his customers. And so he had a Kia Telluride come in from a family friend, been banged up on the back, but for the car that was under a year old and under one year of ownership, the car looked pretty rough. And so he called me and he said, Hey, can you come take a look at this? I'd like to get the thing polished out. You know, I, I just need something quick. Come to tell me what you see here. The car was really heavily swirled. Looked like it had been in a lot of car washes, but looked like it just wasn't really treated very well in the last year, to be honest with you. And I said, Hey, we can do something with this. So right off the grip, I don't feel like, I didn't know what I was walking into other than, hey, we'll just do a quick polish on this thing and whatever. Uh, To get the pop we were looking for, we were going to have to do a really, really complete thorough one step. This is where it got interesting. So Kia Telluride, less than a year old. We went around the car with a paint depth gauge. And mind you, a paint depth gauge is not hyper accurate. It's a baseline of understanding of what's happening. Uh, Especially at the cost of what these these paint depth gauges are now, they're great tools just to give you an idea. But you don't have to sit there and act like you're getting it down to the .01 mils. I mean, unless you want to spend ten grand, fifteen grand on a on a a, uh, paint depth gauge, you're probably just getting a rough idea. So we found 2.5 mils, we found 2.8 mils, we found 2.1 mils around the car. We found a very inconsistent paint system not we're not talking about body work guys we're talking about 90 percent of the car was still factory he was repairing a a, a, a back end uh a rear end collision that wasn't a big collision so he hadn't touched the car no other body shop had touched the car can't blame it on them we got to go back to kia what's kia doing with their cars well we've been talking about and beating around a bush a little bit on this when it comes to This podcast. So today I want to break down and get a little nerdy with you and say, okay, let's, let's have the pints and polishing podcast lead the way on this as as we have so many other things the last two years uh, that Marty and I have been doing these episodes. And I want to make sure that we say this paint correction is the bedrock of our industry. We all love paint correction. It's what most of us get addicted to and why we stay in this business. Paint corrections changed a lot in my short time, 24 years in this business. I used to have to do three and four step correction. I used to have to wet sand if I wanted to sand. Now you can dry sand very easily. Uh, I used to then have to go from four steps to three steps. And now I can do a lot of stuff in a wet sand and a two step. I can do a ton of stuff in a two step. I can do a gigantic amount in a one step that wasn't possible at the beginning of my career. Paint corrections changed because vehicles changed. The the coating systems have changed on vehicles the paint systems have changed. And now we have probably the biggest change in my career. 2.5 mils of paint is a very dangerous level. Let me tell you why. The rule of thumb from PPG and others is these car systems have about two mils of clear coat in the car or on the car as we sit here today in 2022. So, then from those paint systems, somewhere around 10 to 20% of all of the big UV blocking inhibitors, all these different things in the paint system is really in the top 20%. So with two mils, okay, and, and, and this is the scary part, with two mils, the top 20%, if I remove 0.4 mils from that clear coat system, What these paint manufacturers are telling you is you could be completely damaging the clear coat and leading it to failure prematurely very quickly. So what does this all mean? Well, let's look at a pretty, in the not so distant future, within the last five to 10 years, we would pull up on cars, we would see anywhere between 3.5 and 5 mils on the car. Really, I saw a lot of cars in the 4.2 to 4.8 level, you'll still see that. On on some higher end vehicles, but that's becoming pretty rare. uh, To be honest with you, we are now really living in that 2.8 to 3.4, 3.5 range. Think about the change. We were 3.5 to 5. Within the last five to six years, we've gone to this 2.5 to 3.5, 2.8 to 3.5 range. I mean, that's a big hit right there. Okay. So, when people talk about paint correction, I see so many guys getting into sanding and so many guys that are still doing hatchet jobs on two-step corrections when they're not necessary with today's technology. There's a, there's a negative to all of this, that as the, the manufacturer changes, you can't control that. You can control what you do at the local level. And so we always hear about hack work and this guy in my area is a hack. This Are we entering into a period where... You may be the hack if you walk in, use a microfiber cutting pad, use sandpaper, use a rotary and wool, and and do two or three steps of sanding and paint correction. Because if you walk up on a Kia Telluride right now, you sand it, you cut it, you polish it. What are you removing? So let's go over some industry standards here to kind of give you some roundabout numbers again. Remember, this Kia Telluride was anywhere from 2.1 to 2.8. Let's meet in the middle and say it averaged about 2.5 across the car. Awesome. Okay. One step removes about 0.2 mils when you do it. Okay. You can find this for yourself. Don't measure the paint after you cut it. What'll happen is the paint will swell. It'll heat up. You'll get a false reading. But go around the car and do this for yourself. You don't have to take my word for it. A one-step removes about 0.2 mils. Now, mind you, that's already 10% of what PPG and others are telling us has the benefit in the clear. I've already cut it in half with a one-step. According to them, that's not what every paint manufacturer says. I understand that. But the big ones talk this way. So I've now cut the hyper benefits of that top 20% of the clear coat. With a one step, I've cut it in half. 0.2 mils on this Kia Telluride puts us in a 50% cutaway of the things that matter. Okay, a two-step. Let's talk about a compound and a polish. You're going to remove anywhere between 0.4 and 0.5 mils. And I think if my math is right, a mil is about five microns for those of you that live in that world. I've always done mils for some reason. So 0.4 to 0.5 in a two-step. If I have two mils of clear on this Kia Telluride, which is probably pretty accurate, I cut 0.4 of it down. I've now cut that 20% out of the clear coat. I realize this is a nerdy conversation, don't tell me you care about cars and you care about your customers if you're just going in and cut and paint willy-nilly. Kia is not the only one doing this. Toyota is now doing it. Hyundai, Genesis, they're doing it. And it's going to keep trickling. How many of you get a new vehicle in, see some damage, go, I got to cut it. I got to cut it. I got to cut it to the bone. I'm hearing stories out of the West Coast of California that are unnerving from some young guys getting their start. Cut, cut, cut. So five years down the road, that Kia Telluride is now in a position where it's going to start fading. Wow. That's what we're here to do? Don't know. It's your decision. I wouldn't do it. So let's look at sanding, compounding, and polishing out a finish, You're going to remove somewhere between 0.6 and 0.8 mils. You're getting almost to the point of removing an entire mill off the clear, off the off the paint system. Plenty of times to sand. Plenty of times where it's defensible. Plenty of paint systems that that can be sanded. Kia, Toyota, modern clear coat systems. Are we looking at a time when sanding is now a very specialty product? You know, for show cars and resprays, that 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 cutting has been built in. Yeah, I think we are. I've thought we've been there for a while. Other people are going to disagree. They wear it as a badge of honor that they sand cars. I mean, I, I sand my first car in 1998. I don't wear it as a badge of honor at all. It's a skill set. Hey, should you have it? Maybe. But I think we're entering into if you're mostly working on new McLarens and new Porsches and, and, and new Kias and, and new Genesis and new Toyota Forerunners or Tundras. Largely, sanding doesn't need to be in that world. People still do it. Some of you still follow those people. You ready for a respray? There's many of you guys been in the industry the last 10 years when DAs were really big. You've never burnt paint. There's some of you burning paint now. I've heard a lot of people burning paint recently. Oh, I don't know what happened. I looked and it was hazy. And well, all of us that burnt paint in the 90s and early 2000s, some of you in the 80s, if you burnt paint with a rotary, you know what it looks like. But if you've been using a Rupes or a Flex or those types of, uh, of polishers your whole career and you've never burnt paint and you're just cutting paint, cutting paint, cutting paint, you might start burning paint. And many of you have burnt paint, not understanding what you're looking at. I had somebody call me. I got a young guy, this is about six months ago, says, I keep seeing this. It's got to be something with the coating, something with the prep, something. Sent me a picture of it. I said, you burnt the paint. Oh, no, no. Yeah, you did. It's okay. I mean, hey, look, we've all done it. You, you cut paint long enough, man. You're going to burn some paint. But largely, if you've come in post-2010, you've learned on a DA system, burning paint really hasn't been a part of your life. Now I get clear that somebody's cut. Let's say somebody cuts a 2020 Telluride, did a two step, removed 0.6 to 0.8 mils. The paint's now down in the ones. I don't check it. I don't go around and make sure. Even when I check it, I said, oh, it'll be all right. And I start burning the door down because I do, I see all these defects and it's 2025. And, you know, I'm going to cut this key of Telluride. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. This all has changed. There's a lot of people are going to listen to this and be defiant about it. Oh, I know what I'm doing. It's all good, man. I'm not telling you that you're right or you're wrong or you should or you shouldn't. What I'm saying is the reason I don't do four-step paint corrections like I did in 1998 is because the world changed. The paint systems change. You go back to single-stage paint, the world was different. Look at how I've had the change fixing a scratch in my career. You used to be able to fix a scratch on a single stage paint in like no time. And you didn't have to worry about a lot of times how deep it was because the paint system was more malleable. Clear coats came along. System is way harder, way more durable in a lot of cases. Okay. So now What we have to worry about is sanding that area down to get to that scratch and and going so deep to fix that scratch that we impair the surface from doing all the great things that Clear Coat does, right? That's why we do the fingernail test. All of us, hey, I don't know if I want to push this. I can make a scratch look better on Clear Coat, but I watch guys hatchet up scratches all the time. (laughs) They just don't care. Folks, it's not about what's going to happen in the next five minutes. It's, if you love detailing and you love cars, you should not be cutting them to within an inch of their life. And the world has changed. Once again, how I cut paint in 1998 and how I cut paint today is very different. And it should be different. But let's say you entered in this industry in 2015. You're seven years in. The world's changed in seven years. Hell, we've had a pandemic. We now have a war going on that nobody expected things happen. Okay. Things change. And how many of you are changing with the times when it comes to paint correction, I'm going to say this a thousand times, and I'm sure many of you aren't going to listen, become a one-step expert. And I bet you, you can make it the rest of your career on that. There's some of you that can't get a great finish on a car, unless you do a deep two-step a heavy cut and then a finish. That isn't a positive thing, folks. The one-step technology is there. It took a lot of manufacturers who are in that world a long time to admit that. You can go look at their trainings. They did, oh, advanced sanding techniques. That was just a few short years ago. They didn't realize where the one-step technology is because they don't live in the real world. I know where the one-step one-step technology has been for the last five to seven years. And some of you have as well. But I'm watching a lot of guys being taught these Sanding techniques and not understanding where where they are to be used and not used. Sanding is a great skill, but magically everybody that sands and and cuts cars are training people now. We said this on the episode on on Tuesday. Okay, no harm in that. But sanding isn't going to be as widespread on modern systems. It's a show car thing. That when it when it's good, it's good. But am I going to sand a Toyota Tundra? with 2.5 mils of paint in the whole paint system, I'm not going to do that. It's a damn truck. I'm going to make it look terrific. But I'm going to preserve the hell out of that truck because you know what? That truck is not supposed to be repainted in its lifetime. And with ceramic coating technology, that shouldn't be a possibility. But remember, if you cut it down and put a ceramic on it, That doesn't fix all the the stuff you cut away. It adds a little bit, but clear coat is still king. It's still far superior to a ceramic coating. We still want to make sure that that product is on the car. And remember the top 20%, and this is what the paint system companies tell you. We have to have the conversation that the world has changed. The minute that they realize they can put 2.5 mils of paint on a car and get away with it, that's what they're going to do. It's been going down my entire life. It's not on its way back up. Until they get a massive recall on their paint system, they're not going to fix all these things you think they're going to fix, so you have to adapt. This is a nerdy episode about mils and point this and point – I get that. But I want you guys to understand that there's so many of you guys that ask me stuff, and I always appreciate that. But you're listening to people that have these skills that don't translate to your market. Most of you can't charge for sanding cars. Why would you want to learn it? You don't know how to charge for it. Build your business out and then learn skills that fit your clientele. Most of you can get 90% of the way there with a one-step. And if you can't, develop that skill. We do a lot of collections, man. I get to work on a lot of great cars. The only reason I get to do that is because people trust me to do the right thing. And doing the right thing sometimes is saying, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to sand that car just because some knucklehead on Instagram sanding a car. I'm going to do what's right for this car and this customer in this moment. How many of you would put Uno on an 812 Superfast? How many of you would put Uno on a 488 Spider? You figure it's a, it's a, it's a, Really expensive car. it's got to be the, the 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 most expensive coating I have. the most expensive service, and that's why you never get into those crowds because there are some guys, yeah, they're gonna buy the best of everything for their car. There's other guys that can afford those cars and don't give a rip about them and just want the bare minimum to get them by because they're gonna trade the car again. There isn't a right and a wrong. it's their car. And I'm gonna leave you with this, okay? Some good news out of last week's episode, okay? Let me. Pull this up. It's a big win for me here on the podcast. The GT3 that came in for the track package. I got that gentleman, got a text from him. Here's what it says. Nick, the windshield film and the track package held up beautifully at the track. Also, two small rock pings bounced off it driving home with those lovely lifted pickup trucks with no mud flaps. Instead of cringing, I felt just fine. I'm going to be trusting you in the future with my cars. Thanks so much. Can't wait to bring my car to you again. For anybody that listened about Porsche guy and thought I didn't know what I was talking about, which most of the time I don't, I understand that. There's something to just being calm, letting somebody say some things, finding your ways to draw a line in the sand. But it's a great feeling when you get those types of text messages. And you know what? I got a customer for life. And I told you guys last week that I think I got a customer for life in that guy. And so glad he enjoyed his time at the track. Wanted to give everybody an update. I had a bunch of people reach out about Porsche guy. Uh, I'm going to keep sharing these stories, guys. And I hope everybody has a great weekend. Again, we're in the 80s here in Vegas. So you know what? I think I'm going to get some rays and maybe uh, maybe a nooner. Uh, you know, I like that pineapple high noon, so, uh, I'm not as tough as some of you beer guys, but you know, I'll go with the vodka soda here at, you know, out by the pool, maybe out in my backyard this weekend. I can't thank everybody enough for the support. I'll talk to you next week.